my dear friends. As we continue to raise awareness about myasthenia gravis, I want to take a moment to share what not to say to someone who is living with this condition. It is important to remember that words can have a powerful impact and can either uplift or harm those who are struggling. Firstly, do not dismiss their symptoms or downplay their experience. Saying things like you're just tired or it's all in your head, you're lazy or what you need is exercise can be hurtful and invalidating. Myasthenia gravis is a real and debilitating condition and those who are living with it need understanding and support. Myasthenia gravis is a debilitating disease that is hard to see. Secondly, avoid offering unsolicited medical advice or suggesting miracle cures. Myasthenia gravis is a complex condition that requires specialized, intense medical care. While well-intentioned, offering improved treatments or remedies can be dangerous and may give false hope. Lastly, do not make assumptions about their abilities or limitations either. Each person's experience with myasthenia gravis is unique, and their abilities may fluctuate from day to day, even hour to hour. It is important to ask how you can help, and to respect their needs and boundaries. Instead, offer empathy, compassion, and support. Let them know that you are there to listen and that you believe in their strength and resilience. Educate yourself about myasthenia gravis and be a source of knowledge and advocacy. The Myasthenia Gravis Foundation of America is a great source and accessible on the web. Together, we can create a more understanding and inclusive community for those who are living with myasthenia gravis. May God bless you all. This is a message from the In His Holy Name Ministry. For the Hebrew children, it was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children, and it's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. And it's good enough for me. Give me that old Exploring the mystery of the soul, beliefs, traditions, and philosophies. The soul is a concept that is often associated with religion and spirituality. It is generally understood as the non-physical essence or spirit of a person that is believed to exist beyond the physical body and to continue after death. 
The Catholic definition of the soul is the spiritual principle that animates and gives life to the body. It is the essence of a person and is immortal, existing before and after physical death. The Christian belief is that the soul is created by God at the moment of conception and is infused into the body. It is the source of a person's intellect, will, and emotions, and is the seat of their morality and spirituality. The soul is seen as the spiritual essence or innermost being of a person, which is created in the image of God and endowed with free will which has the capacity for moral and spiritual development. The Catholic Church teaches that the soul is capable of knowing and loving God, and it is through the soul that one can have a relationship with Him. The soul is also responsible for the ultimate destiny of a person. According to Christian theology, the soul is immortal and will continue to exist after physical death, either in a state of eternal bliss in the presence of God, or in a state of separation from God and eternal punishment. In Judaism, the creation of the soul is believed to be a divine act. However, there is no one agreed upon explanation of how this happens. Some Jewish theologians believe that the soul is created before birth and is infused into the body at the moment of birth, while others believe that the soul is created at the moment of conception, like many in Christianity. To help understand the mystical attributes of the concept of the soul we need to go beyond one tradition and look into others. In Asian cultures there is the concept of life force energy. Qi is a concept in traditional Chinese culture that refers to the vital energy, or life force, that flows through all living things. In traditional Chinese medicine, it is believed that the balance and flow of qi in the body is essential for good health and wellness. In some spiritual and philosophical traditions, qi and the soul are seen as interconnected, or even synonymous. For example some Taoist and Buddhist teachings view qi as the vital force that animates the body and the soul as the spiritual essence that transcends it. However, in other traditions, such as Christianity and Judaism, the concept of qi is not recognized, and the soul is seen as a distinct entity that is created by God and endowed with unique qualities and attributes. The concept of the soul is a matter of belief and faith, rather than a scientifically proven concept. Science proves that within all living beings there is a bioelectric magnetic energy that is our life force. A chemical or hormonal reaction that creates an electrical energy. Many actually describe qi by these terms. And as energy, it follows specific laws of physics. The existence of a soul cannot be scientifically proven or measured as it is a non-physical entity that is believed to exist beyond the physical body. While some people believe in the existence of a soul, others do not accept its existence at all. Scientists have made significant progress in understanding the human brain and consciousness, but the concept of the soul is not something that can be studied or analyzed through current scientific methods. Therefore, it is up to individual beliefs, and faith, as to whether or not they believe in the existence of a soul. But if the soul is compromised of qi or something similar, then it and the laws surrounding qi should also be applicable. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, this includes our soul, we are our soul, and it is energy that can simply transfer locations and forms.
but it can never be destroyed. You then are an infinite being here, today, in this reality, to learn and experience wisdom for the growth of your soul. As we discuss the soul, we would be incomplete if we dismissed the ideology of reincarnation. Reincarnation is a belief that after a person dies, their soul is reborn into a new body, the soul and the body are symbiont, interdependent on one another, this idea is often associated with religious and spiritual beliefs, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, and some sects of Christianity. The concept of the soul is central to the idea of reincarnation, as it is believed that the soul is the eternal essence of a person that survives physical death and is reborn into a new body. The characteristics and experiences of a person's previous lives are said to influence their current life and shape their spiritual development. However, it is important to note that the belief in reincarnation and the soul, is not supported by scientific evidence and is considered a matter of faith or personal belief. Karma and reincarnation are closely linked concepts in many belief systems that embrace the idea of rebirth. Karma refers to the concept of cause and effect, where a person's actions in their current life will determine their fate in future lives. The idea is that every action, thought, and deed will have consequences in the future, either in this life or in a future life. Reincarnation, on the other hand, is the belief that after a person dies, their soul is reborn into a new body. The characteristics and experiences of a person's previous lives are said to influence their current life and shape their spiritual development. The two concepts are linked in that the consequences of a person's actions in their current life will determine the circumstances of their next life, for example, if a person lives a life of good deeds and positive actions, they are believed to accumulate positive karma or merit, which will lead to a more favorable rebirth in their next life. Conversely, if a person lives a life of negative actions and harmful deeds, they are believed to accumulate negative karma which will lead to a less favorable rebirth in their next life. Overall, the belief in karma and reincarnation is a way of understanding the nature of existence and the cycle of birth and death. It is a way of finding meaning and purpose in life and striving to live in a way that aligns with one's spiritual beliefs. Reincarnation is not a belief that is accepted by the mainstream Christian church. The concept of reincarnation is not explicitly mentioned in the Bible, and early Christian theologians did not embrace the idea, even though some in the early church did believe in reincarnation. Instead, the mainstream early Christian church taught that after death, a person's soul goes to either heaven or hell, depending on their actions during their lifetime. They believed in the final judgment, where people are judged by God and sent to either eternal life or eternal damnation. Some early Christian sects, such as the Gnostics, did embrace the idea of reincarnation. However, this belief was rejected by the mainstream church and was considered a heretical teaching. The Christian church's rejection of reincarnation is based on the belief in the uniqueness and value of each individual life. The idea that a person's soul could be reborn in another body was seen as diminishing the importance of each person's individual existence. The Catholic Church officially denounced reincarnation during the Second Council of Constantinople in 553 AD. This council, 
which was attended by over 150 bishops, was convened to address a number of heresies that had arisen in the Christian Church at the time, including the belief in reincarnation. At the Council, the bishops declared that, if anyone asserts the fabulous pre-existence of souls, and shall assert the monstrous restoration which follows from it, let him be anathema. This statement was meant to condemn the belief that souls existed before birth and could be reborn into new bodies after death. For those who do not know what anathema means, it is a formal curse by a pope or a council of the church, excommunicating a person or denouncing a doctrine. This position on reincarnation has been maintained by the Catholic Church ever since, and it remains a core doctrine of the faith. According to Catholic teaching, each soul is created by God at the moment of conception and exists only once, in the body in which it was created. After death, the soul goes to either heaven or hell, depending on its moral character during life. Overall, the Christian Church's teachings on the afterlife focus on the idea of eternal life, either in heaven or hell, rather than the concept of reincarnation. The concept of reincarnation is a central tenet of Eastern religions such as Hinduism, Buddhism, and Sikhism. In these religions, it is believed that the soul, or consciousness of a person is reborn into another body after death. The cycle of rebirth, called samsara, continues until the soul reaches a state of enlightenment or liberation known as moksha or nirvana. In Buddhism, the concept of reincarnation is closely tied to the idea of bodhisattva, which refers to a being that has attained enlightenment but chooses to remain in the cycle of rebirth to help others achieve liberation. Bodhisattvas are revered figures in Mahayana Buddhism, and their ultimate goal is to reach Buddhahood, the state of perfect enlightenment. Nirvana, on the other hand, is a state of ultimate liberation from the cycle of rebirth and the suffering that comes with it. In Buddhism, Nirvana is achieved through the practice of the Eightfold Path, which includes ethical behavior, meditation, and wisdom. Unlike Hinduism, which sees the soul as a permanent entity that is reborn into different bodies, Buddhism believes that the soul or consciousness is an impermanent phenomenon that arises from causes and conditions and ceases to exist when those conditions no longer exist. Therefore, the Buddhist concept of reincarnation is more accurately described as rebirth rather than the transmigration of a permanent soul. Can you have a body without a soul? In Catholic theology, it is believed that a body without a soul is not a living human being. The soul is what gives life to the body and makes it a living being. One might draw a similarity to the concept of chi no chi, no life. According to Catholic teaching, the soul is created by God at the moment of conception and infused into the body, giving it life. Without a soul, the body is dead and cannot function or exist on its own. However, there are some philosophical and scientific arguments that discuss the possibility of artificial or synthetic life, where a body or machine could be created that has some level of consciousness or self-awareness but this is not the same as the concept of a human body without a soul. In Catholic theology, there is no concept of a living being without a soul, as the soul is the principle of life in the body. However, there is an idea of a being lacking a rational soul, such as animals. In Catholic teaching, 
animals have a soul, but it is not a rational soul like humans have. Instead, it is an animal, or primal soul that governs their instinctual behaviors and functions. Therefore, there is no specific term for soulless beings in Catholic theology, as all living beings are believed to possess a soul of some kind. How about angels and demons? Do they have souls in Catholic theology? Both demons and angels are considered to be spiritual beings, rather than physical beings with bodies. As such, they don't have souls in the same way that humans and animals do. Instead, they are believed to be pure spirits, created by God to serve Him in different ways. Angels are seen as messengers and helpers of God, while demons are fallen angels who have rebelled against God and now seek to lead humans away from Him. While they don't have souls, they are believed to have spiritual natures that allow them to interact with the physical world and influence people's lives. So what happens to the soul during demonic possession in Catholic theology? During demonic possession, it is believed that the soul of the possessed person remains intact but is being influenced or controlled by the demon. The demon takes over the body, mind, and will of the possessed person, causing them to behave in ways that are contrary to their normal behavior and beliefs. The Catholic Church teaches that possession occurs when a demon gains a certain level of control over the person's physical and spiritual faculties, such as their thoughts, emotions, and actions. It is believed that the demon can manipulate and use these faculties to cause harm to the person and others around them. During an exorcism, the Catholic Church aims to drive out the demon from the possessed person's body, freeing them from the influence of the demon and restoring their free will and control over their own actions. The Church does not believe that the soul of the possessed is lost or damaged beyond repair, but rather that it is being oppressed by the demon's influence. The soul is a concept that has been debated and discussed for centuries, and it remains a mystery to many. In various religious and philosophical traditions, the soul is believed to be an essential part of a person's being, often associated with consciousness, personality, and the capacity for thought and emotion. In many religious traditions, the soul is seen as immortal and eternal, surviving beyond the physical body after death. In some belief systems, the soul is believed to be reincarnated in a new body or to pass on to a different realm of existence. Philosophers have also explored the nature of the soul, often as part of broader questions about the nature of consciousness and identity. Some argue that the soul is a distinct and unchanging entity, while others view it as a product of physical processes in the brain. Despite centuries of debate and speculation, the true nature of the soul remains a mystery, and it continues to inspire wonder and contemplation in those who ponder its existence. This is Father Chris, reminding each of us to act justly, love with mercy, and walk humbly with God. Give me that old-time religion. Old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's 
for me. It was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children. It was good for the Hebrew children. And it's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. And it's good enough for me. Oh. Give me that old time. Some woke is a dirty four-letter word. This is a foul word to the greedy, the elite, the self-centered, and the self-absorbed. But that's not true at all. Jesus was woke. Woke means to be. Awaken to the needs of others. To be well-informed. Thoughtful. Compassionate. Humble. And kind. Woke means to be eager to make the world a better place for all people. Live life according to the teachings of Jesus. Awaken your soul. Be woke and exemplify what it means to be a true follower of Christ. This is a public service announcement from the Independent Catholic Podcast and the In His Holy Name Ministry.